the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. Let's go to line number two and talk with Travis in Berkeley. Travis, are you there? Yeah, good evening, Prophet Jeff. Yeah, thank you for uh, your wanna, patience, uh, my brother. I want to thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Amen. And I want to tell you that your uh, your ministry has blessed me. Amen. Um, I'm blessed today by the Lord to be able uh, to be 40 years old. Amen. So, uh, when, when, when did you turn 40? The Lord has me focused on the purpose of my birth. Okay. Talk to me. So, um, so that's so that's what the Lord has been dealing me uh, dealing with me on, like the focus of the purpose of my birth. So I've been blessed with that. So I've actually been uh, been been meditating on that like all day. Okay, you know my purpose and the focus of just being born. Amen. Having life. Amen. And being in earth. So you you appreciate that God has brought you safely to your fortieth year. Right. That's a that's a, a number of completion in terms of testing as well. We are going to uh, exercise a gracious uh, prophetic uh, uh, promise to you right about now because you have entered into your 40th year, Travis, and you've been walking with the Lord and you've been through a lot. Um, I know I know enough about you to know that as a young African-American brother in the Bay Area um, that you now have moved into a space where if you remain focused for the year 2020, you're going to be able to see some things that God has prepared for you that you'll be able to enjoy and walk in and actually recipro- reciprocate with God on in terms of his will for your life. I'm talking about being able to be a, a, a blessing to people by way of the exhortation gift that you have, because you do have a gift of exhortation, a gift of encouragement uh, that you are going to be able to employ that more significantly this year because God has strengthened you in your faith. He has built you up to the level that you have been able to now rejoice in the fact that in God's providence and an all wise uh, purpose, he has brought Travis to his 40th year. I am estimating and praying that you're going to have a great 40th year around being an encourager, uh, being someone who exhorts people, being someone who builds people up in the faith, and it's going to have reciprocal blessings for you uh, as a consequence. So when we talk about focus, fixing our calling upon service, this year I want to encourage you to walk in the service of exhorting people, encouraging people on the grounds of what God has done for you all these 40 years. Thank you. I received that. All right, my brother. Bless you. Bless you. Let me do this now before I go to the rest of the phone lines. Uh, and I do have three lines open. one 367 one Yep, I know that brother Travis, and uh, he's in a good place right now. You guys continue to pray for that young brother that God would make all grace abound in his life. Here's the text I want you guys to join me in right now. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So pull your Bibles out, your phones out, whatever gadget, device, or mechanism by which you can set your eyes on God's Word. Pull them out because this is the verse I want us to meditate upon for the next hour. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
It is the last verse of that chapter. And I want you to raise your mind up out of its its frequent application in the context of funeral services and the ultimate eschaton of the believer when he finishes his calling, although there is a correlation for sure. I want you to hear this verse. I want you to hear this word. I want you to hear this promise. I want you to hear this commandment. I want you to hear this imperative. And we're going to gradually unpack it as we deal with the concept of focus. Okay. This is a word for you. For you, all of you out there that are listening, here's the word for you. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And the way you and I want to look at this verse is that there's one fundamental verb in this verse that is the driving imperative. And it's in that second clause. Be ye. Notice again how the verse opens up and the, and the verb that drives the verse is be therefore my beloved brethren be you you see that little word be the idea of being has to do with acknowledging and recognizing what you are and who you are notice that the verb is telling you to be something and not do something therefore my beloved brethren be That's the first thing I want you to write down as we deal with this text. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye, be all of you. It's in the plural form. Be all of you, be, 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 be. This is what we call in theology a stative verb. It's not not something that you do as much as it is something that you are. In fact, it's in what we call the present passive verb form. And that is to say, therefore, my beloved brethren, continue being and that is in the passive form means that your being is not something that you brought about your being is not something that you accomplish your being is not something that you sustain you discover that you have this being called the beloved brethren in fact the way jesus puts this term in john's gospel chapter three is you must be what born again it's also a passive verb in the present indicative or in the Aries tense. And that is to say, you have the reality of being. And because you have the reality of being, be. It's an imperative, but it's a passive imperative, meaning affirm the fact that you are actually the child of God that you are. Affirm the fact that you are actually operating out of the status of being a son of God. In fact, in our context, it is a beloved brethren. That's a wonderful station, a wonderful position. Positionally, every child of God is a beloved brethren. 
But you're not a beloved brethren because of something you do. Like you're not born again because of something you do. That is also a passive verb. You shall not see the kingdom of God or enter into the kingdom of God, except you be born again. Passive verb, meaning that you didn't do it. God did it. He made you born again. He made you a beloved brethren. The verb form there in 1 Corinthians 15, 48, uh, 58 says to be ye. And then he moves into what we will call adjectival expressions of your being. You have a being. You are the beloved brethren. But what does your being look like? What does your existence look like? What does your becoming look like? You are presently and continually becoming because you are alive. You have been positioned in Christ. You you have the status of being a son of God. But what does your being look like? This is what moves us into our consideration of being focused. No pun intended. The exhortation and imperative of 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is to be continually steadfast. Now, the word steadfast there is not a verb. It's an adjective. It's a qualitative expression or a description of your present being. The other adjectival expression is unmovable or immovable. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye described by others as steadfast and unmovable. You see that? Those are the two adjectives that I want to begin to work with uh, before we take a break here. And then when we come back, we'll take your phone calls. Three lines open, one 367 If you want to join in, our topic is about being focused this year. And one of the things I stated is that they're often with the people of God, so much unbelief dominating our lives that the idea of being committed, being resolved, being focused, uh, being determined to do what God has called us to do for a period of time ends up being derailed because of a lack of focus. And there are two reasons why we're often not focused. And here's the first. We're often not focused because we're not disciplined. Can I get amen? Secondly, we're often not focused because we are distracted. And often we're distracted because we're not disciplined. Focus, fixing our calling upon serving God strategically studying our calling to make sure that when God calls us to serve him, we are ready to serve. It was little Samuel that began to hear the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ when God was calling Samuel into the ministry, but he didn't know how to discern the voice of Christ. And he thought it was Eli, his spiritual father. And he went to Eli several times saying, I thought I heard you call it. Eli perceived that Christ was calling him and Eli began to teach Samuel to do what I'm telling you to do. Focus. And Samuel went back to bed. And when the Lord called him again, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel focused. And because he focused, he diligently studied what he heard and he was able to respond this way. Here am I, Lord. Speak. Your servant is listening. This is what I want to occur for us this year. Can I get a witness? So in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, where it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, 
Those are the two adjectival expressions of what it means for you and I to be. Qualitatively, our life should look like that we are steadfast people and we are people that are unmoved. Steadfast people that are unmoved. That's what I'm going to talk about after the break. Because when it says always abounding in the work of the Lord, that's not adjectival. That is actually the manifestation of being steadfast and immovable. The impact and consequence and outcome of a person who is steadfast and unmovable is that they will watch this now continually abound in God's work. That is the first outcome promise of being steadfast and unmovable. Conversely, if you and I are not steadfast, then we are fickle, then we are shaky, then we are vacillating, then we're being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and we are being unproductive. And a year goes by, and behold, we're still stuck in the same place. When we are not steadfast, we are not immovable, but movable. We're inclined to to run here and run there and go here and go there. As the proverb says, go not do not go with a person that is easily moved. Don't 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 be tossed to and fro as many people are not able to focus, not able to demonstrate the virtue of steadfastness and immovability. When we come back from the break, I'm going to explain what those two terms mean and show you how that the outcome of being a person that is focused, steadfast, and unmovable, is that you will experience, watch this now, increase, excellence, surplus, advancement, effectiveness, more resources given to you because you have learned how to be focused. one 367 one is the number to reach me if you want to join in on our New Year's resolution. It's coming up in about 36 hours. Will you be committed this year to being steadfast, unmovable, and therefore abounding always in the work of the Lord? I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we have three lines open. One triple eight, three six seven five three two nine. If you want to join us on our discussion of focusing, particularly for the new year coming up in about thirty two hours, we do a better job next year in the three hundred and sixty five days that God will give us in order that we might fulfill First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which is not an option; it's an imperative; it's a command. And I started off by saying that the way you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is it opens up by describing what the believer is, not what the believer does. Be ye is the verb there, the imperative. That's the command. It's in the passive mode. You passively affirm the reality that you are as a beloved brother, sister, daughter, son in Christ, steadfast. The word means to be firm. It means to be settled. It means to be resolved. It means to be fixed and determined. Literally, in Greek grammar, this term describes a person who sits and squats to claim a lot or place or spot or ground. In the biblical sense, sitting and squatting is designed for the believer to claim the promises of God. That's our territory. That's our inheritance. That's our blessing. That's our uh, uh, objective, our goal. Our goal is to squat 
on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ, my Savior. To be steadfast is to be firmly settled in as a squatter claiming the promises of God and not moving. It doesn't matter what. That is the adjectival form of being a beloved brother or sister. Now, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, this requires a radical faith. It requires a tenacious and stubborn faith because all the winds are blowing against you to stop you from being steadfast. You know that. Now, if we're going to focus this year, we're going to fix our calling upon service and ask the grace of God to help us squat. To be steadfast, to be unmoved. It's a deep resolve not to go anywhere away from the promises of God. Let me go to line number one and talk with Ellen. Ellen, are you there? Uh, yes, I am. A belated Merry Christmas. And you Happy too. New Year you to t- you and yours. You too. You too. Question, you, comment, observation. Well, as always, I, I, I'm just not very articulate once I get on this phone. I want to quickly say uh, about focus. Uh, I'm going to stray just a little bit. But I want to talk, when, when you talked about Matthew, when the, the lame man approached them, it was so, it, it's always fascinated me when I first read that verse the very first time that he, his focus was on, if, if I'm talking about the same verse, I was a little late in joining you guys. Um, he thought maybe he'd get some pieces of gold or of something. Of course, of course. And so his focus was totally wrong, and, and all of us are prey to that. I mean, we just think, you know, in such a small way, unless we really, and, and they had something so much greater for, for him, so Absolutely. much greater than, than a few pieces of, of whatever. However, but, however, I'm going to slow you down so that you don't offend anyone. Because think about this for a moment. The culture in, in that day was uh, r- deeply rooted in um, Jewish, um, what we would call, um, uh, monarchial Jewish, not monarchial, but Jewish theocracy. And what that meant, Ellen, was that God had made a provisio in that government for the poor, for the lame, for the disenfranchised to have a community support system. Oh, no, no, I didn't. I, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but but I, I wasn't making any uh, assertion about that. I was talking about in terms of myself that sometimes I. I don't get the larger picture. I have to really delve into the word because I can get distracted by but what I think. I certainly wasn't casting aspersions on the fact that he was asking or in any way saying he was limited in what he was asking. I understand that, that, that that's what he would be expected to, to receive because that was, as you said, the, the nature of the, this, uh, what society's responsibility was. For the and, and, and is. And is. That is. Absolutely. No, I, I didn't mean in any way. I was okay. really talking about in terms of, good. of it, it, it just... It's good. Be, oh, oh, the only reason I said that, because I'm teaching thousands of people right now, is that I know that in our culture, in America, as abundantly uh, wealthy as we are, we still have so much penury and stinginess on the part of people that will have a tendency to not recognize that the poor have a very difficult time. And for them, you know, their only survival comes from the benevolence and altruism oh, you know, of, of, of people. I'm going to cry in a minute because I certainly I, I, this needs to be a theme. I always seem to be on the verge of offending someone because I don't quite get out. No, I, I, I absolutely was not saying that. No, you weren't saying that. I was paper. expanding on. Listen, all right. No, I, listen I, I, to I, me. Listen to me. 
I didn't say you weren't saying it. I was expanding because I, if you and I are sitting with two or three other people and I know what you mean, but I know that it didn't flesh itself out adequately enough to make sure it was inclusive of parties coming from a different angle, then I'm just taking the benefit of doing no, that. I, because I, I understand. So you were not being offensive. Well, let, let me, uh, this, this is, I'm going to stray just a little bit because I, I, uh, I tell you, I'm, I, God is really blessing the caller, Travis, because I wish at 40 mm-hmm. I was in the place where he is now. I'm almost knocking on the door of 70, mm-hmm. and I'm just beginning. Boy, steadfast. If I were inclined to get a tattoo, that's what I would have on me, steadfast. <laughs> you can and, get one. And, all right. We only got three minutes, so you go ahead. But you can get a tattoo, all right? Now, uh, I, let me qualify that. that. That tattoo better have a spiritual connotation, and it's got to be in the right place, okay? So. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never get it. Me I don't, too, I don't have, I don't too, have tattoos, too, and I'm about too. to. My, my, what I was calling for is because, I, I, for some reason, uh, the Lord has really, this, this past year, I mean, I, I am going out and, and ministering to as many people as I can talk to Amen. about Jesus. It's Amen. just become something that's so... Uh, and, and yet, being in Palo Alto, there's so much of this secular and political. Um, now, my question, this is really weird. This is going to be so weird to you. But um, not necessarily to you, but but it's weird to me. Um, with with everything going on, all the hate. Uh, I was in. I think I've mentioned uh, uh, abusive relationships. Yep. Uh, this, the hateful kind of thing. It gets me very nervous. But I I, I was thinking. This is so weird. But I was thinking about um, uh, you know the the, the black uh, uh, Hebrews and yep. And, yep. and I remember Crown Heights. I grew up in New York City. Yep. So I was wondering. You know, there's some kind of the, the Oh, this is going to sound. Oh well, I, I just seem to always just be say it because you only got two, one and a half minutes. All left. right, the arrogance of the Jews, but but is it possible since God has His hand in everything? When when uh, when uh, Abraham, I'm going back. This is uh, Abraham slept with Hagar. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sarah got impatient. Whatever the reason. Okay. Now I don't know whether he raped her or she was a servant. Nope, she was married to him. No, he no, married no, Hagar. Her. I know he married her. That she became his wife. Oh, Hagar, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, the, the the point being, then Sarah said, no, I don't want to take the hair, and right. Ishmael is not okay. And so I'm wondering if there, if that is the root. God apparently visited her. I mean, God took very good care of Hagar and Ishmael, even right. though he described it. And, and he said to, you know, even though he wasn't going to give him the inheritance because he wasn't, you know, that, the chosen one. Uh-uh, you, you're, conflating, you're conflating things right there. So do this. So Stay on point because you got, a, you got a very good correlation that you want to develop, that you want to ask, and yeah. I want to give an answer to it. Okay. Um, I'm just wondering if the root of a lot of this kind of animosity, I know if I were either a Muslim or even a black today, I would sort of, I'd be a little annoyed with the Jews. It's like this sort of, you know, okay, uh, have sex, we want to have a baby, but you're not going to have any of the inheritance. Go. And, and so did God give, uh, the, because he promised that uh, Ishmael would have, uh, you know, uh, this, this become a, a head of a nation. Is it possible that God, I, I don't know, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I could almost, be angry at sort of the, uh, the the Jews of sort of wanting to to have a child, but you can't participate. And then is that the root of all the Muslim Jewish and maybe Black Muslim Jewish animosity? In my that- opinion, it's it's the uh, the fallacy of a non-Christocentric hermeneutic that dominates the whole world 
since Satan has taken over not only uh, Judaism, but the church. And I'm going to expand on that when I come back from the break briefly before I move back into our uh, our topic. I'm going to talk about that. I, I, I do know exactly where you were going. I was just giving you some room to, to formulate your question. And some very keen, keen thoughts that we can talk about around that. Um, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got th- uh, three lines open, one 367 We're going to touch on that and make sure we stay focused on what the Bible really is calling us to around the issue of conflicts among brethren, because the principle of conflicts among brethren transcends the superficiality of ethnic distinctions. Uh, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. This report is sponsored by the T.J. Martell Foundation. In Sausalito, it is still a sig alert southbound 101 between Spencer Avenue and the Robin Williams Tunnel. Crews are working out there, and all lanes are temporarily blocked. They're trying to clear a rock slide. No estimated time for reopening. Westbound 80 as you come off the upper deck of the Bay Bridge, right at 9th Street. A hit-and-run crash there in the left lane. Westbound 80 just past Powell Street in Emeryville. A three-car crash, that's in the left lane, just past the uh, Powell off-ramp. Southbound 85. Just before Highway 17 in Los Gatos, a crash there. It's over on the shoulder. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Join the T.J. Martell Foundation in the fight against leukemia, cancer, and AIDS. Your support helps facilitate cutting-edge research that will lead to more effective treatments and save more lives. Visit tjmartell.org to learn about music's promise for a cure. Balance of Nature. Changing the world one life at a time. I love the products. I haven't had a cold since I've started. My grandkids get sick all the time, and I don't catch what they have. I'm going to be 68 tomorrow, and I'm in great shape, and I'm very grateful. I know the balance of nature, the simplicity of it, and the purity of it has just been a tremendous blessing for me. See how getting a variety of over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can make a difference for you this year. To help you start your New Year's resolutions right, Balance of Nature is offering 35% off and free shipping on your first preferred order of Balance of Nature. This New Year's special won't last, so call in now. Call 800-2468-751. That's 800-2468-751. Or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code GOLDENGATE. Feeling overwhelmed by the challenges of life? Find yourself making the same resolutions year after year, maybe even month after month? There is help. It's called Celebrate Recovery, and it's brought tremendous results for thousands. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered recovery program teaching how to effectively overcome hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Anger, drinking, relationships, opioids, food, whatever your struggle, Celebrate Recovery can help you conquer it once and for all. From marital issues, financial struggles, grief, depression, addictions, or bad habits, this program has a proven record of results. Participation is easy. Just show up for a meeting. Don't isolate yourself. Develop the biblical tools to effectively deal with your problem and help spread the word that we now offer a women's abuse group. Celebrate Recovery will meet at River Recovery Church in San Leandro every Friday night at 7, starting January 10th. Families and individuals of all ages are welcome, and we offer free child care. Learn more at riverrecoverychurch.com. That's riverrecoverychurch.com. Dr. John Wong here wishing KFAX listeners a Happy New Year. Remember, if you have any physical pain or health challenges, with God's love and help, your body, mind, and soul can heal from within. Take actions to change for a better quality of life. 
This message is brought to you from Dr. Duong's HealingHabitsNow.com. You can reach Dr. Duong at 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. With the new year come new beginnings. Often we make New Year's resolutions to lose weight, get more exercise, make a career change, or stop bad habits. Perhaps for 2020, it's time for you to resolve to stop paying rent and exercise that 2020 vision for a new home. Just imagine, your family could be celebrating the next holiday season inside your own home. Of course, finding the right home is important. Knowing how much home you can afford is even more important. Need some guidance? Why not call our friends at United Faith Mortgage? Just like you and me, faith and family is important to them. That's why they'll make sure you have the right qualifications for the right home and the right loan. United Faith Mortgage offers competitive rates, personalized service, and a level of care most other lenders just can't match. United Faith Mortgage is big enough to be a direct lender, yet not so big that you're just a number the way you are at a bank. United Faith Mortgage will even cover your appraisal fee up to $500. Find them on the web at unitedfaithmortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. NMLS number 1330. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time 635 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 329 We're talking about being focused. We're talking about making sure that this new year is a year that you are more resolved than you have been in the past. And I did raise the question, you know, what keeps the believer from achieving the goals that they set out to do in any given period of time? Uh, fear of failure fear of um, saying I'm going to do something and then uh, looking up and you're not doing it. Uh, But fear of failure can never, ever be a legitimate cause for living a passive life when it comes to the will of God. If you let fear dominate your life, and I'm going to segue into Ellen's question in a moment. If you let fear dominate your life, you will never be made perfect in the love of God. In fact, it's the love of God that mitigates, that uh, that extinguishes, that cancels out, annuls the authority and power of fear that Satan uses to control men and women. But when the believer lives a totally passive life that does not move out in the obedience of faith, then what we do is leave that vacuum to be filled up with fear mongering fear controlling fear uh dominating people god's answer to a world filled with people that are controlled by fear hebrews 2 14 and 15 is the radical expression of his love centered in the person of jesus who assumed his human nature in order to deal radically with sin in himself at the cross and then communicate the redemptive values of his success uh, at the cross by virtue of the giving of the spirit of God so that he makes in men and women all over the world, a fearless love that is willing to confront evil and sin with the proclamation of the gospel as the grounds for a solution to the criminal behavior of hatefulness, which is nothing but a cloak, by the way, hate is a cloak of, uh, of, uh, militian that covers up the fear that's deep down in the soul because one is insecure in his lack of a relationship with the true and the living God. 
So when Ellen is referring to this uh, this criminal activity, this hate crime that was committed in the East Coast and and uh, disrupting people on Hanukkah uh, and, 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 and attempting to kill folks. Uh, and, and this individual is, is, is alleged to have been aligned with the black Hebrew Israelites. And she's very much aware, like many of us are, of the posture and behavior of many of the Hebrew black Hebrew Israelites. Unfortunately, they're they're often fierce. Uh, projected tenants uh, have a tendency have a tendency to promote more of a hateful response or a fearful response on the part of men and women who observe them and watch them as they uh, claim things about who they say they are and what they possess in terms of God uh, in a world that is uh, operating out of a diabolical darkness and blindness because of the satanic powers that I and uh, Shannon were talking about earlier, controlling the vast majority of the world. And the whole goal of the devil is to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. What Ellen was trying to do was surmise some kind of historic, chronological, genealogical correlation between the distinction between Ishmael and Isaac and the hostility and the variance that went on with those two. Uh, and it really wasn't a variance between Ishmael and Isaac. I mean, Ishmael uh, was moved on by God's uh, decree at the behest of Sarah. And God did say that Ishmael would be great and uh, be a, a prince and, and, and have nations and, and enjoy many blessings. But he would not obtain the unique blessing of being the lineage through whom Messiah comes course that's argued by the muslims in terms of what they view was the true firstborn being ishmael versus versus isaac and yet our hebrew text clearly lays out as isaac being abraham's only begotten son in terms of him being the promised child according to the apostle paul for us to understand this more accurately and not be trapped by what i call a horizontal ethnic religious interpretation that still is perpetuated by many in the church today. The reality is, is that a true Jew or one of the line of Isaac is not one of an ethnic line at all. And a true Ishmaelite, that is one proceeding from the behavior and character of the uh, child Ishmael, who was said to be a man whose hand would be against every other man. He'd be a wild man and be his hand would be against every other man. Uh, that behavior and tenet can be understood in a universal sense that at the fall of humanity, all of us were really condemned to the behavior and expression of Ishmaelites. That's right. You and I, brothers and sisters, before coming to Christ, are Ishmaelites. Because as Israelites or as Ezekians, uh, Ezek, Ezek is the way we say Ezek for Isaac, uh, that is an idealism. It's not a genetic predisposition. By one man, sin entered into the world and death came upon all for all of sin. All of us have hate in our heart, murder in our heart rage in our heart against man and God until we come to know the Lord by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And Paul plainly dismisses all ethnocentric religion as completely uh, rooted in the diabolical system of the devil in Galatians chapter four. And I want you to hear it. Although our evangelical church 
historically collapse into over and over and again into an ethnocentric theology, particularly with premillennial dispensational theology. A true Jew, according to New Testament theology, is not one who is a Jew in the flesh. And it's the same with a true Ishmaelite. You can't identify him with just being Arabic or Aramaic or of the lineage of Ishmael. That conflict had a limited historical relevance, but it ultimately transcended into the present form of which the apostle explains in Galatians chapter four, when he says, starting at verse 22, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. What is he talking about? Ishmael, who was the bondwoman. Hagar, which things are an allegory. This here is a tupas, a a picture and pattern of which he's about to explain by reversing the tables and uh, demolishing your assumption that he's going to commend Judaism over against Mohammedism by explaining that the allegory teaches us, watch this, that these are two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai. Now, what takes place at Mount Sinai is not Ishmaelite religion. It's the religion of the Jews, of the Hebrews. It was where Moses received the law of God and established a covenant relationship between God and the people of God, sprinkling the law and sprinkling the, the, the people of God with blood, with hyssop. And they became a nation under Jehovah, the Yahweh, which gendereth to bondage. Now, here's a Hebrew in Paul explaining that the Hebrews that he deals with in his own day, the Jewish people actually correspond to Hagar and Ishmael. The Jewish people correspond to Hagar and Ishmael. Notice what he says. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children. Which Jerusalem is Paul talking about? Not the one that's above, not the one that's the mother of all God's elect and all God's people, which most premillennial dispensationalist theologians will completely disregard this text and abandon their hermeneutic of eschatology of all apostolic authority, canonicity. But I'm not going to do it. Paul clearly saw that the behavior of his own Jewish brethren, him having been one, was Ishmaelitis so long as he was pulling out a sword and thrusting through people because they didn't believe what he believed. When God knocked him down on the Damascus road and changed his heart and revealed the glory of the risen Lord, the reigning Christ to him by saying, Saul, Saul, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Then Saul knew he was on the wrong team, even though. In the flesh, he was a Benjamite. In the spirit, he was an Ishmaelite. The text goes on to say, but Jerusalem, which is above, is free. Who is the mother of us all? Us who? All true believers. 
For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. And here he's speaking about Sarah being desolate, ultimately having children, and then Hagar being removed. Now we, brethren, now we, brethren, who is he speaking to? Jew and Gentile, not Jews. The book of Galatians is to Jew and Gentiles. Don't get it twisted. Now we, brethren, as Isaac, as Isaac are the children of promise. See it? Jews and Gentiles. He could have easily been speaking to to Arabics. He could have easily been speaking to people who were Aramaic. He could have been speaking to people who were African. He could have been speaking to people who were Italian, that is, European. He says, but we all, who is he talking about? People who are born again, people who are redeemed by the blood, people who are in Christ. Outside of Christ, ladies and gentlemen, we are all Ishmaelites. It's only in Christ, whether you are Arab, whether you are Hebrew, whether you are African, whether you're European. Are you truly of Isaac and of the Jerusalem, which is above all? But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. So it is now. What was Paul saying? He wasn't saying that the Mohammedans were persecuting the Jews. He wasn't saying that the black Hebrew Israelites were persecuting the Jews. He was actually saying the Jewish people were persecuting the Christians. That's why the Jewish people who are Orthodox don't really care for the New Testament because it puts them in a bad light. And, And men in the church who have a radically ethnocentric hermeneutic don't want to really look at these verses for what they say. But they say what they say. But he, but as he then was born after the flesh, persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now, as Jesus plainly said, ye are of your father, the devil and the works of your father will you will do. Now, people who are trapped by a what I call an ethnocentric hermeneutic will make this a fight in the flesh. And yet Paul is saying this is a fight in the spirit. This is a battle not between Jews and Arabs between Jews and Gentiles. This is a battle between believer and non-believer. Between really, truly saved folk and non-saved folk. And this is not a, a, a collaboration or a reciprocation of a battle in the flesh where the uh, non-saved folks are pulling out swords and the saved folks are pulling out swords. The book of Revelation makes it very clear. This is the patience of the saints and those that keep the commandments of the Lord. He that lives by the sword will also die by the sword. And Jesus told his disciples, if you were, if my kingdom were of this world, then it would pull out swords and fight. My kingdom is not of this world. And as a consequence, you can tell them by their fruit. Yes, my brothers and sisters, the hate that you see taking place in the world has often changed characters throughout history. Sometimes it was the Jewish people against the Christians. Sometimes it was the Gentiles against the Jews. Sometimes it was the Christians against the Jews. Sometimes it was the pagans against the Christians. And it really doesn't matter because you shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. Do I need to take one more break? I'll be right back. This report is sponsored by HHS's Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA. We have a sick alert in Oakland now. This is right by the Coliseum, northbound 880, just past 66th. It's in the two middle lanes. A crash. Emergency crews are on scene. No estimated time for clearing. 
and a sick alert in Sausalito as well. Southbound 101 uh, between Spencer Avenue and the Robin Williams Tunnel. Right lane remains blocked. Crews working to clear a landslide. No estimated time for reopening there. Southbound 880 before Marina Boulevard in San Leandro. Crash blocks the left-hand lane. And in San Francisco, northbound 280. Right before Ocean, uh, we have a three-car crash in the right lane. That's traffic. I'm Michael Benham. Here's one New Year's resolution that's easy to keep. Resolve to join the millions who've registered to save lives as organ, eye, and tissue donors. We're all needed, so learn more. Sign up online. Go to organdonor.gov. Hi there, I'm Jordan Michaels here with Dr. John Duong and one of Dr. Duong's current patients, Marshall. Marshall, Dr. Duong always says, if you suffer from chronic pain and disease, we need to discover and treat the root cause so your body can heal from within. And maybe you could share how that's happened for you. When I walked into Dr. Duong's office, I was dealing with chronic pain. Every inch of my body was hurting dealing with autoimmune issues, psoriatic arthritis, pre-diabetic, insomnia, and had probably over 10 prescriptions that I was utilizing in order to try and mask the symptoms or hold them at bay. But today I can say that I am sleeping better. I've dropped a size as far as my clothing. I'm not dealing with the pain anymore. And I'm living a life that I didn't think was possible. Chronic pain affects every aspect of your life, physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. Let us help find the root cause so that you can heal. If you're like Marshall and you've been to doctors and specialists with little to no improvement for your chronic pain and you're tired of having the pain masked by medications and treatments, call Dr. John Duong, 510-818-1668. Dr. Duong is offering a $47 consultation to the first eight callers who qualify. Call this number, 510-818-1668, 510-818-1668. And be sure to check out Dr. Duong's podcast at kfax.com. Denise lived in shame for decades after her abortion. When I accepted Christ in 1990, I felt I could be forgiven for almost everything or anything except that one sin. I could never be forgiven for that. And that was just another lie that I believed all of my life. Thankfully, Denise found God's forgiveness and now stands with focus on the family as an advocate for life. Continue doing what you're doing. This is making such an impact. Continue doing the ultrasound program because people need to know it is so easy to turn a blind eye. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue preborn babies and help women like Denise. Share the gift of family at focusonthefamily.com slash give, and your gift will be doubled. Or call 800-A-FAMILY. Don't let your home be invaded this season with rats and mice. Keep them away the most humane way with plug-in pest-free, 100% chemical-free. Totally safe for your family and pets and environmentally friendly. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic pest control device that has been scientifically tested and consumer proven since 1995. Now that's fair income. With a 60-day money-back guarantee and a two-year manufacturer's warranty, what have you got to lose? Stop inviting unwanted rodents and pests in with baits. Say goodbye to traps and start saving money today with Plug-In Pest Free. Order yours now at gopestfree.com and save 20% with promo code SAVE20. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. 
Are you ready to start saving money? Go pestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. Let me conclude on this Galatians 4 text to drive it home to some of us um, that what Paul does in, in the book of Galatians, and really Paul is a revolutionary in terms of the gospel because he made it very clear consistently from Romans all the way up through maybe even the book of Hebrews, as we might uh, claim him to be the, the author of as well, a, a, a radical change of, of, of central focus to Jesus Christ in the church of the living God as being the ultimate Israel of God. In fact, that's what he says in the book of Galatians as well. In Galatians chapter six, he says over in verse 15, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, that is Judaism, availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, that is Ishmaelitism, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy. Watch this upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks, the stigma of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes it clear to the Galatians to no longer be distracted by Judaism and its threat of them not entering into full inheritance rights because of the work of Jesus Christ represented by Isaac and the true Jerusalem, which is above represented by the church of the living God made up according to Ephesians chapter two of both Jew and Gentile, one new man in Jesus Christ. So making peace, there will be no peace in this world as long as our religions are trapped by ethnocentrism. No peace. And as long as the material prize is lands and money and power and authority, that is the devil's kingdom. That's why when Christ was tried by the devil in Matthew chapter four, bow down and worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Christ says made, made it very plain. Man shall not live by bread alone. You shall not tempt the Lord your God and only God shall you worship the true and the living God. Jesus circumvented the temporal material power of the political kingdoms that were run by the devil because he saw a greater, more eternal kingdom that he would run by the promise of his father. And for all those who would put their trust in Christ, we are spiritual Isaacs. Nevertheless, what saith the scriptures cast out the bondwoman and her son for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. That is, we are not uh, apostate Jews or Ishmaelites or any legalistic self-righteous men centered ethnocentric religion. We are children of the free. That is the Jerusalem, which is above which is the mother of our risen, reigning, exalted Lord Jesus Christ, made up of men and women from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, the true church, not the carnal church, not the denominational church, the true church of believers who live by the grace of God. The thing we offer to the world is the love of God in Christ. We don't fight this warfare with weapons of the flesh and carnal strategies and and ugly faces and threats and noises and swords and promote the hate of uh, physical battle. 
We declare the gospel of the grace of God in the person of Jesus Christ and his foolishness to the world. And we're persecuted for it and we end up dying for it. But the Bible is very clear, very, very clear. This is the patience of the saints that they would suffer for the cause of Christ because we know ultimately without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And even when the saints have suffered, the gospel has advanced. You and I would ever collapse into the kind of hostile, hateful, hate the Jews, hate the Gentiles, hate the Europeans, hate the blacks. All of this is the devil's insignia. It has nothing to do with the grace of God whatsoever. And unfortunately, Judaism has its historic mark in that same kind of vile, uh, antagonistic, carnal pursuit of of material things by virtue of them being the ones that uh, promoted and uh, executed the Lord Jesus Christ right along with the Gentiles. But what does Christ do in his seven saints upon the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This day you shall be with me in paradise. John, take care of this woman. She is now your mother. I thirst. It is finished. Father, into your hands do I commend my spirit. It's the paradigm of the gospel, the crosswork of Christ. And when the church fails to understand that that is her life and her expression, then we will collapse into the fear and hatred of carnal religion as well. We're moving into the new year. Will Jesus Christ be your all in all? Will you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Will you be resolved to live for his service? Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding because of it in the work of the Lord and being certain that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, even if no one outwardly rewards you for it? Is that going to be your legacy for the year 2020? Or are you going to collapse in fear? Hide and equivocate being ashamed of the gospel. Do not, my beloved brethren, do not be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.